0: So, again, thank you for being here this morning. My name is Alex Christie. I've been here with Pastor Gary and with Roger and with Dina. We since 2002 when we started the church. uh, We're very, very blessed to have the same group of folks that started this ministry, and we've grown in some different directions. But you know, the 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 core group of us here have been here since day one, and it's just been a privilege to work with all these folks for all these years. And uh, again, we're just so grateful. Can't say it enough. But we're going to continue on Pastor Gary's Lest We Forget series. And uh, he asked me to do something a little patriotic. And it was hard. It was hard to be truthful. I love my country. I have so much respect for our veterans. People who have done things that I've never done. I couldn't imagine doing. And, and, and I stand on those people's shoulders today. I couldn't be up here speaking publicly, with freedom to do so if it wasn't for people who fought and died for the values that this country was founded on. We're so very, very blessed. And if you're one of those people here today, we thank you so much. But like I said, it was hard to be patriotic. And this isn't going to be a left, right, blue, red rant. It's us. It's we. We have some work to do. Because everything starts at the foundation. Everything, you know, the idea of the top making a difference on the bottom only happens when we let it happen. If we change the foundation of how things work on the base level of our families, of our community, of our town, we can make dramatic change in this country and in this world. So today we're going to go way back in time to the book of Deuteronomy. And it's kind of, there's a lot of really cool history here. This is actually, the I call it the Valley Decision. And that little city there in between these two mountains is Sketchum. And the cool thing about that is the first time it's referenced is in the book of Genesis. Because when Abraham leaves his hometown, when God tells him, "You're, you're leaving. And this is all after Babel happened and God said, listen, I'm just going to pick a pet project. I'm going to pick one guy, and I'm going to start a whole new tribe with this one guy. And that's what he did with Abraham. And this is like the first stop that's referenced that Abraham did when he was traveling to the promised land. So this city has been here forever. And on one side, you've got Gerzim, which is this mountain that is considered for blessing. And still to this day, Samaritans, remember Samaritans in the scripture? Samaritans still practice. They are kind of like an exiled version of the Jewish people. They, they broke away many, many, you know, thousands of years ago now, but they still function there. When you read the story about the good Samaritan, these are the people that Jesus was talking about and that the Jews hated. They called them dogs. But a small group of them, very, very, very religious to their their version of Judaism, still functioned because this is Samaria. And on top of this mountain, it's all gated off because they still, during Passover to this day, sacrifice animals during Passover to God on this mountaintop. They're still practicing right now. And it's amazing because if you listen, if you listen to they believe like Noah's Ark landed here. They believe Eden was on top of this mountain. This is like a very, very holy site to them. And then when you jump over to the other side, Ebal, this is the mountain of, of curses that are referenced in the book of Deuteronomy. And the cool thing about that recently in 2019, excuse me, 2019, they found tablets. And something I learned through this study is When you watch, like, Charlton Heston come down off of the mountain with giant tablets, that's not necessarily what it was. The tablets that they find are usually about the size of maybe a business card. And they actually are able to... Now they're kind of petrified and solidified. and Sometimes they can open them up, but they're like little booklets that they make. It's phenomenal, the technology that's thousands and thousands of years old. And they've recently found... Curse tablets on top of this mountain back in 2019. A lot of people, of course, you know, you've got both sides. Whenever it comes to archaeology, you've got one that says one, one that says the other. So it's always kind of a toss up uh, on who you're going to listen to. I listen to both sides. I think they make a very, very compelling argument for. Decide that it is a, a legitimate curse tablet, which makes this very interesting because back then, curse tablets were always thrown into water wells or into holes in the ground because it was all about cursing someone who stole your boyfriend or whatever and you know, you're talking to like the, the underworld about it. You know, you're not even reaching up to God. The, the pagans weren't even reaching up to God. They were just looking down. So to them, for them to find a curse tablet on top of Mount Ebal, on the very site where they have uncovered a altar that was built, which we'll get to that in a second, is a pretty substantial archaeological find. And a lot of people are, are comparing it to the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is also a tremendous find many, many years ago. So this is a big, big deal. So, yeah, and they've got that Valley of Sketchum there where you and I are standing right now because the Israelites were given a choice. Curses or blessings, and we're going to get into that right now. So we're in the Valley of Decision, and so the, the, before the people of Israel were able to enter into the Promised Land, they were given a choice. They had to choose what they were going to do. If, were they going to lean on blessings or get cursed? God gave them an option. And just like our founders did, when they started this great nation of ours... They had to make a choice as well to do things the way they've always been done or look to Scripture for how God would want things done. Now, I know when we look at our founders, we have this idea of these incredible men of God, and it's true. They stepped out, they put their lives, their fortune, their families, everything on the line because they believed in this nation. They wanted to break away from England. And the first thing they did, as soon as we broke away, let's do it again. Let's get a king. And they took George Washington and they said, let's, we're going to make you a king because, you know, we want a king. And he said, no, 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 we're no. We're not going down that road again. And he didn't even want to be president. But he was so worried that they were going to create another monarchy here. He, had, he agreed to become president of the United States, our first president. And it's an interesting contrast, because when you read Chronicles, after Moses dies and Joshua leads them into the promised land, and then after um, they settle, the first thing they do is they want a king. And God says, you don't need a king. You've got me. I've given you all you need. Nope, we want a king. And then the nightmare begins in Israel right away, because we're not looking to him. We're looking to some person. We're putting all of our trust in a person, and we do that today. We look at our our politicians, we look at different leaders, and we expect them just to take care of it for us. And they're incapable of it because they're just as messed up as we are. I mean, it's it's preposterous to think that somebody, because they're well-spoken, well-dressed, and they tell you everything you want to hear, is going to have your best interests at heart all of the time. We're fallible people and people get paid off and all these things. And that's what happened to the people of Israel when they chose to have a king. And things went terribly. You should read it. It's it's a great, great stories. But now we're also as a nation in a moment where we have to make a choice. Now, we're not going to obviously do away with our our system of government. We're not going to change anything in that regard in a great way. Over time, the hope would be that we could. But what kind of a choice do we have today? Right here at home, with your family, with your wife, with your husband, with your children, with your work associates, with the people here at the church, with the person who cuts you off down the road, the person that's driving you crazy at the restaurant or not packing your groceries right at Publix. We have to do Are we going to do things our way or are we going to continue to do things our way, the way things haven't been working properly? or Are we going to go back to God and do things his way? Because we have changed. We've always been sinners, and we've always been a mess, and we've talked about that just a second ago, way, way, way back. But people here in this country used to believe in something. And even if they didn't have a faith that included Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, there was at least a respect for God. There was a respect for those that believed in Him. Not everybody. I'm not, and I don't believe in a believe it. Leave it to believe, uh Leave it to Beaver world. I know that didn't really exist, but it was better than it is today. People were scared to curse God in public, mock God in public. It wasn't something you did, and if you did it, you were chastised for it and run out of town, because people wanted the blessing of God on them and on their families. So we have changed in that respect, but God hasn't changed. He still demands this of us, demands it of us. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't forget that. The same Jesus that was there at the foundation of the world is here with us today. The same Jesus that died on the cross for you Only you, had you been the only person that accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, He would have died on that cross for you. He has not changed. So we're in that valley of decision, of Mount Gerzim for the blessings, Mount Ebal for the curses, and here we are in that old city of Shechem. So now we're going to jump into Deuteronomy 27. And, uh, we're actually gonna cover two whole chapters, so we're gonna breeze through 27 a little bit with the, with the curses. I'm gonna kinda, of, you know, break them down a little bit for you. And, uh, it's just that Moses really wanted to remind his people, remind the people of Israel one more time. Now this is the end of the book of Deuteronomy, okay, just about the end. It's like three or four more chapters to go. He had already gone over the Ten Commandments, all the other laws, and, you know, but he's wanting to reiterate right now, that before the people crossed that jordan river that there was a cost there was a price to get into that land of milk and honey and for it to be what they were promised it could be obedience now that's a tough word none of us like to be obedient we love it when people are obedient to us but when it comes time for us to be obedient it's hard Especially if it goes against something that we like, something that we want to do, something that feels good. But we can't live forever in this mindset of do what you want whenever you want. That's not how it works. And we'll get into a little bit of why later. So Moses commanded half of the tribes of Israel that would stand on Mount Gerizim to proclaim a blessing over the people. And the other half must also stand on Mount Ebal to proclaim the curses that God would send if his chosen people didn't do as he commands. They were told to record the curses on a stone tablet, which they may have just found. Maybe not. Like I said, I don't know. But the thing is, it even if it's, it's, it's ancient, there's no doubt that little thing I was talking about a little bit ago, that little half business card uh, tablet thingy, even if it wasn't the one that Joshua put up on that mountaintop. It would be setting a precedent that people believe that this was what happened there. And they went back to commemorate it because this is a thousands and thousands of years old. They they're able to, to date it by the materials that it was used uh, to make it. So it's amazing. So curse is set on stone tablets and they wanted to go ahead back one second. I'm sorry, Roger. And build an altar and sacrifice a peace offering. That's a weird one, right? You build an, you're gonna, now you're gonna write down all these curses on tablets, and then you're gonna build an altar, and God actually tells them, have a good time. Have a peace offering. Make it into almost like a party, because they're sacrificing an animal, and now everybody gets to eat. And this is something that God's doing on purpose. Everything he does is on purpose, of course, but this is a picture of you've got this mountain with curses and you're 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 slaughtering innocent blood. Are you picking up on it yet? Innocent blood on this mountain of curses. It's amazing the foreshadowing of Christ we're seeing here because these tablets are getting covered in, in the innocent blood of an animal. Because as human beings, you know, we're image bearers of God. We're the only ones that are really capable of sin. Animals can't sin. So whenever you slaughter an animal, it's an innocent animal. I know there's like mean cats and stuff. But, you know, I mean, chances are it's like either they were abused or just, you know, they're just angry cats. But it's, they're not sinners. We are the only ones that are capable of sinners, being sinners. So when when they kill an animal, that innocent blood was a picture of Jesus Christ. So how do you get yourself cursed? Now, remember, we were, we, he went over all the Ten Commandments and all the other little lists of things. But this is always God's number one. To have other gods in secret or publicly. Now, only you know if you've got a God in your closet. And I'm not talking about a Buddha statue. I'm not talking about any of that other stuff. I'm talking about you know whether or not you're putting something over God in your heart. You know if if God's not your number one priority. And so often, you got to think of it this way. We're talking about eternity here. We're talking about the all-powerful God who created everything. Not just earth, not just you. This entire universe that we have no understanding of. He made all of it. So we should give Him all of us. Dishonoring your parents. God is very familial. He's big on the marriage picture, on the parent-child picture. He's always painting how the importance of the family. We've destroyed the family in our country. And, but he's always painting the picture of its, impre- its uh, importance. To be intentionally cruel or misleading to people. It actually talks about intentionally misleading a blind person. I guess that was a big thing back then. Like, you tell a blind guy, no, it's that way. Just send him off in the woods. I, I don't know. But there, it, was, it was enough to that God told him to write it down, not to be mean to people that are handicapped. Deny help to foreigners, orphans, or widows. To be sexually immoral or perverse. That's a big one. We love to point fingers at specific things. But we all have those... Thoughts. We all have those struggles between the world of just going through the uh, social media and all the things that are flashing up in front of our eyes all the time. And here he's actually talking about things as far as incest, bestiality, all kinds of stuff that was going on back then. But we can't be a sexually immoral nation. We can't be an adulterous nation and expect his blessings on us. And, of course, having violence toward our neighbor. And then the murder of the innocent. The sixth commandment is not thou shalt not kill. We mess that up sometimes. We say thou shalt not kill. It says thou shalt not murder. There's a big difference. There's a big, big difference. The innocent And everyone gets the reference to the the abortion issue, to hurting children, just to walking into a house and killing somebody for no reason, to rob them of their stuff. That's how you get a curse. So all of this was set in stone. And cursed is anyone who does not affirm and obey these terms, the terms of these instructions. So... After each curse was laid out, the people had to say, Amen. Now, remember, you got half the tribe of Israel on one mountain, the other half on the other mountain. And you got the Levites, the holy men, the the people that were um, the the priests of the day shouting, shouting out these curses. And all of the people had to say, Amen, may or may it be true. So. It's kind of like when you look at your kid and you tell them, you know what's going to happen if you do that, right? Uh-huh. And then they do it anyway. And then you've got to follow through with it, unfortunately. But the thing is, they were having to affirm it. And this was a contract that they made with God an agreement because God also had a good side for it. But he wanted them to really make sure the bad side, the curses side. So being in that valley of, of decision, and when it comes to the blessings, they don't have to say amen, build an altar, or burn an offering. Why? Simply because if God says it's going to happen, He's going to do it. He will do it if they listen to Him, if they don't do the things He's saying not to do. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commandments, what I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the world. The world's going to wonder at them. Look how prosperous they are. Does that sound familiar? We're, as far as Americans go? You'll, be, you'll experience all of these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. We used to be known as the breadbasket of the world. It's not anymore. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will counter your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. He's not even telling them they have to fight back at this point. He's, he's, he's going to take care of it if they listen. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. He wants to bless them. he wants to, to, he wants them to be a shining light, because remember, not that long ago, Babel happened, and now like now the nations are all under foreign little gods, and they 've fallen away from him, and this is his chosen people, and he wants those people to look at, him, at, at those people and say that 's the true God. He wants them all to come back. He wants all the nations to come back to him, and he wants Israel to be that picture of why if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see you are the people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land. He will, he swore to your ancestors to give you. Blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time. I love the specificity of that. The proper time. Not just rain whenever. Rain when they need it. From his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless you for all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. As a nation now, we are $32 trillion in debt, which I guess breaks down to about $100,000 per breathing person in America. Before you even start in life, like a baby, $100,000 in debt right away. That's not a blessing of God. That's not his calling for us. I know we're talking about the people of Israel here. But I believe if people, if the nations follow him and they honor God and they do what he says, he'll bless them as well. He wants them to be an example so that we can follow it. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow any other. There they are, gods, and worship them. Don't put any other gods before him. It's a big deal. It's adultery. You're cheating on God. That's how he views it. He, and he feels the same way we feel if that happens to us. That brokenheartedness, that, that dirtiness, that, that, that disdain, that pain, that's how he feels when we cheat on him. But if you don't, don't say, I didn't warn you. Now, God's, you know, he's letting them know all these blessings, but he's also letting them know here that Israel is going to be the standard one way or another. He's either going to bless them to the point of where the world's going to be like, what on earth are they doing right over there? Or they're going to get hit so hard they're going to be like, oh man, that's an angry God. But if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees I am giving you today, all of these curses will come and overwhelm you. Your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be cursed. Your children and your crops will be cursed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be cursed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be cursed. Now, this is a hard one. The Lord Himself will send on you curses, confusion, frustration, and everything you do. Until at last, you are completely destroyed... For doing evil and abandoning me, how do you wash that with the with the loving Jesus that we we sing about, the sacrificial lamb on the cross who died for you, in place for you. He's also the judge, and when and when at the very end of time, he's going to be sitting on that on that bema seat, and he's going to be the judge. And, and what kind of a judge can be? taken seriously, how can God be called righteous if he doesn't follow his own rules? He sets a standard. He lives by them himself. And the only way he can be God and the only way he can be righteous enough to judge the entire universe is by setting a standard and sticking to it. He can't be wishy-washy. He can't go, oh, these are my chosen, so I'm just gonna let you be. You know, you guys can, I'll keep blessing you no matter how you act. And then I'm gonna, you know, everybody else is just gonna suffer with the consequences of not following me. He has to be an honest God, a, a righteous God, a righteous judge. So if you feel today, do you feel confused, frustrated, and cursed? I know I can. If I watch too much news, I wonder, where are we going? What are my grandkids gonna do? I feel like the world can come to an end any second. It's not going to. I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe that for a second, but you can feel that way. You can feel so overwhelmed. But what we do right here, right now matters. And saying that we're followers of God even isn't enough. We have to live it. We have to be that salt and light. It's your opportunity, even in the hard times. There's a beautiful scene, in, and I know there's like been lots of controversy about it, so forgive me for referencing it, but there's a beautiful scene in the last season of The Chosen where one of the apostles, he's, a, he's crippled. He's got a bad leg. He's got a crutch. And Jesus is sending them out two by two into the, into the region, and he's, you know, they're going to be able to heal. They're going to be able to cast demons out. They're going to be able to do the things that Jesus did. Do these miracles. And this part isn't in Scripture, but it it was a beautiful moment still where he comes up to Jesus and goes, Well, Lord, you you didn't heal me. How can I heal others if you don't heal me? And the response was, how much more powerful is your testimony because you're healing people of something you're suffering from? And how do we put that in our context? If you've lost a loved one, how much more powerful is your testimony with somebody who just lost a loved one than somebody like me who's been blessed? And I, had, I, mean, I lost my father, of course, and he, I loved him dearly, but it's different than losing a child. You can't compare those two things. And I, couldn't, I can try to be comforting, I can try to be loving, but by the grace of God, I've not experienced that. But if you have... It's your time to be able to step forward and help somebody through that tragedy. And you can put yourself in any of those positions, any position you can think of, any kind of hurt, any kind of struggle. It's your chance to shine as a believer in Jesus Christ, having that faith in him that all things will be made right in the future. And show that to somebody who is maybe at the end of their rope, maybe ready to completely give up. And that's when you can shine the, bright, the brightest. Because our actions always cause reactions, we shouldn't be surprised that our country is falling apart. We've kicked God out of everything. I mean, when you think about when a horrific situation happens and there's a shooting at a school, everybody's heart breaks. Everybody's frustrated, angry. We want vengeance. And half the world goes, where's your God now? Well, the answer is, wherever you put them, because you kicked them out. What do you expect them to do? What do you expect these children to do when they're taught that they come from an amoeba, that they're an accident, and when they die, there's nothing anyway? It's easier just to to do something horrific, die, and it's over. The suffering is over. They don't even understand that eternity is going on after they close their eyes at the last moment. We're, 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 we're ruining our children, we're selling them short, and there's no hope, there's no reason for them to have hope if they don't think they're fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. There's power in that! We are supposed, He gave us His image so that we could control this world for His glory. Just like He wanted to make Israel special. He wanted to make the whole world special. We have to go back to Him. And because we're, we, our countries are falling apart, we shouldn't be surprised our families are falling apart too because it starts at the family. It's not Joe Biden. It's not Donald Trump. It's not, you know, go back as far. You can, well, you can name them all back to George Washington. We love to blame other people for the mess that we're in today. Granted, some of it's out of our control, and I'm not saying that these people don't do horrible, stupid things, and they just frankly they do more often than not. But at home, we can make a difference. We can give our children hope. We can let them know that they're loved, that they matter, how much value they have. Teach them about God. Give them, do the homework. Don't just say it and then expect them to hear it here at church. Because they're not going to always hear it at church. There's distractions going on. You have to be active at home. And that goes for you too. Things are going to happen in life. Things are going to get hard in life. And then you're going to go, why God? And that's okay. And that's understandable. But if you give yourself a solid, strong basis, a foundation in his in His word, in faith, you'll make it through anything. And that's what you got to give your kids and give your grandkids. So that's the value of the decision we're in today. What we have been doing isn't working. So... It sounds terrible, but we could just throw in the towel and quit. We could just give up. But we should give up. We should give up in our ways and submit to God's ways. It's all spelled out in there. And you may be sitting here today, and if you haven't gotten into your Bible, and all the stuff I just read, it sounds like it's just like a, a, a stereo instructions of a rule book. But it's not. Because don't forget, at the beginning, there was that Sacrifice. On those tablets that shed blood of an innocent animal, that God offers a way out. But how can I know today what is God's will for my life? I'm glad you asked. It's a tough one for a lot of folks, but it's not, it doesn't have to be as tough. You start at the basics and you start from there and go on. You have the law versus grace. The Old Testament is the law. We are in a time of grace. Not saying the law doesn't matter, I'm not saying the law isn't important. But grace covers the law. if we listen to Jesus what he said in Matthew, and he said to them, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment, and the second is like it: You shall love the neighbor, your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets so what, what i 'm saying is the first five of the books of the Old Testament essentially just wrapped it up in, in two verses. Jesus made the way for us. And this is how we start. We put Him first. How do we love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and your mind? Through obedience to Him. What does that mean? You're going to go home and whip yourselves? You know, Stop doing everything fun? You're just going to you know cloister yourself into your bedroom and read Scripture 24-7? That's not what He wants. That's not what He's suggesting. But the only way you can get to know what He does want and what He does desire from us in that relationship that He's created with us is by reading God's Word. Get into a Bible study here at Fellowship Church. Get into one someplace else. Just get into one. and If they're preaching out of, the, out of the Bible, it's a good thing. Don't do this by yourself. You don't have to. So stop doing what you you know you should be doing the way that's failing if you haven't noticed. Doing things the way that has always been done and wondering why things haven't changed for the better is craziness. We all do it. Trust me. We all do it. And when it's somebody else doing it, we look at them and go, why can't they see it? So often we're doing it ourselves. When I counsel somebody... After, after a little bit of time, I like to ask them, what advice would you give somebody you love facing your situation? They have answers. They, have, they, they know what the truth is. It, when it, if it, it was their child or, or their sister or their brother or their parents, they know right away, wow, I would give this advice to them. Well, but I don't want to take it myself because that's hard. But they know the hypocrisy right away. And it's something that we all struggle with. So start living God's way. That's how. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Getting into His Word. Coming to the church. Treating people the way you want to be treated is essentially what some of the Scripture teaches. Because there is no other way. If you want to make this country better, you want to make your families better, your community better, your, your children, we have to do it God's way. If we do this, The second part about loving your neighbor is easy. They may not be the most lovable person. You may want to choke them to death sometimes. But you know what? So are we. I got a little bumper sticker on the back of my car. And if you saw it, it says, Jesus loves you. True. Underneath it in small print, and I'm working on it. Also true. We're tough. We're tough, aren't we? We make it hard for us to always love each other. But that's where Jesus steps in. The level ground at the cross is where we get things taken care of because he's done the work. So either way today, you're making a choice. You're choosing your blessings or your curses. You're choosing to do do things God's way or to keep doing it your way. And I just encourage you today to, again, plug into a Bible study. Make some new friends here at the church and just grow in the Lord so that you can receive the blessings he's promised you. While here, if you're a saved Christian today, and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have these blessings on the other side. And all of of these curses that we heard today, when Jesus Christ was nailed to that cross and hung by his own body weight, he took those curses for you. He took all of that pain for you. He gave you an out. And if you don't remember the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, I can't encourage you enough to do that today. Don't leave here today. Don't go do communion here today. You might choke on the communion wafer out there. Crazier things have happened and there's no going back. There's no second chances. So if you don't know the Lord today, I just encourage you to pray along with me. And then we're going to go on out and do some com- and, um, have communion together. And uh, I just really, really want to make sure you have this locked in in your heart, that you know without a shadow of a doubt you've accepted Christ as your Savior. And I call it as easy as ABC, to accept the fact that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again. I'm not saying you have to understand it. I'm not saying you've got to sit here and try to explain it to me and prove it. Believe in it. That's the faith part. And choose. Choose heaven over hell. Ask Him into your heart. Put all of your chips on Jesus. Trust Him with all of your heart. Give it to Him and don't turn back.